look in Second uh, Peter, chapter number one. A uh, a wonderful chapter, a high spot, if you will. Uh, no way on earth that we could ever cover what deserves to be covered or ever uh, uncover what we little bit we get to look at tonight. But a wonderful chapter, something you could spend a lot of time in, and I believe would bless and strengthen your heart. We'll just start in verse 1 and walk down as, as far as the Lord would allow us to look. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Simon Peter, the writer of this, we, we're all aware of him, how that, who he was, what he did, and everywhere you see the apostles listed, Simon Peter was at the first of the list. I don't believe that's by mistake. That was by the design and the plan of Almighty God. You know, these people that would argue with that, these people that may disagree with that, but all of this was set in order by God. He, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood's not revealed this to you. It wasn't your brother that revealed this or your friends or your dad. It wasn't you that studied this out. But my Father in heaven opened your eyes to this truth. And he says, a servant. Now, that, that word is a slave. You know, that, that's either voluntarily or unwillingly. Some people are, are sold into slavery and they never intended to do so. But there were servants that were willing to go have their ear bored through at the door and willing to serve a man for all of their life. Well, now here's a man that was bought. And you may, you may have it, you may not. But to God's truth is, when I was dead in sin, I had no interest in being bought and in being a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord came to where I was. And see, I was in, I was in the shape that the world's in. I was blind. You, you might have looked at me and said, why don't that young'un do any better than what he's doing? I couldn't do any better than what I was doing. The devil had me, had my mind so warped that everything I believed and everything I thought, it was a lie. And the truth is I was unaware of that. I did not know where that I was. I didn't know where that I was going. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ opened our eyes to that and brought us into the family. And the God's truth is, He bought me. He, and you know, I wasn't on the slave block. I wasn't being sold as a servant to some other man. But I was on the block to die. I was on death row waiting to receive the God's truth. That's where all the lost are. They're there waiting the judgment of Almighty God, awaiting to receive the death sentence and the payment that they're worthy of for their sins. But the Lord Jesus came down to the place where I was and He said, I'm going to buy that man that he can escape the judgment and wrath of God and I'm going to buy him with my own blood. So Peter was a man, not there because he had wrought some great mighty work or because he was some great man of faith. I believe the Bible lets us see into these men's lives to let us know they wasn't some great mighty men. Peter sunk in the water. Peter said, let's go back a fishing. Peter said, denied him three times. Peter was a man just exactly like you and I were. Why, preacher, there's been some mighty men back through the year. I believe Elijah was a mighty man. 
ran. And when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah tucked his tail and ran. You know why? Because he is a man just like me and you. Do you know how they were able to accomplish the works that they accomplished by the grace and the power of God that brought in them and kept them and led them? Now, if, if there's no Spirit of God coming, Peter would have died in a fishing boat. Yeah, he would have. If there was no grace of God, we'd have everyone got upset, we'd have got angry, or our heart would have been broken, and we'd have quit and went home. That's a truth. But it's the grace of God that keeps us. So a servant and an apostle. So a name given to those. And he's going to speak it very well in the latter part of this chapter, which we'll never get to. But the apostles were those that were called to be ambassadors and preachers and they got this name because they were eyewitnesses and personally with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you see apostle, these men walked with the man, Jesus Christ. These men saw with their own eyes the mighty works that He did. These men were witnesses of His majesty, of His glory, and of His honor. And he says, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. This ain't something that some wise man has thought up and imagined in his head. But I've seen the man's glory. I've seen him on the mountain of transfiguration. And I heard God Himself give witness and say, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. I saw Him receive glory and honor. Not from man. It wasn't a church got together and said, Boy, this one's a good one. He's a good man. It was God from heaven that came down and gave his commendation this is my son this is who you need to hear it was the Lord that bore witness to Jesus Peter says I'm an eyewitness of this and I'm an apostle I'm sent to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ to them who have attained like precious faith a lot said right there that word obtained it means a lot in not, not in the sense of a whole big bunch, but in the Bible you read often, and they cast lots. Him, Lord. And the lot fell. So it means that to receive by allotment. Yeah. So here we are, and we're going to cast lots, and whoever draws the short stick is the one that's going to receive the prize. Well, that now I, I'm telling you, that's not what he's saying here. Don't let that... Don't let that throw you off. But Peter says, them that have obtained, that's received by allotment, the like precious, that means of equal value, faith that I've received. If you've been brought in to the family of God, your faith that you... Now this wasn't of you. Why preacher, we all had faith and some people exercise it and some people don't. No, that's that's not even what the word means. Now this is the truth. God bless you. It's been it's been talked and spoken so many times. Faith is thought of as believing. Well, I believe. Well, the devils believe. Yeah. There's more than that. The word means if you look it up, persuasion, credence, or conviction. That means convincing of religious truth. 
So where did this persuasion and where did this convincing of truth, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it come from. It was obtained. It was received by allotment. Do you know why we are today? Why we are persuaded and why we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, some too, you think about it now with your carnal mind, how stupid it sounds. You mean to tell me that you believe some man 2,000 years ago died for your sins and you're going to go to heaven eternally because of him and you don't even know who he is? That sounds mad to the flesh. But I tell you, Peter believed it and he believed it to the place that they're going to crucify him for it and he's willing to give his life for that. How did he get that persuasion? God persuaded him. That's the only way to say. In Ephesians chapter number 1, I believe you can see it. Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Who's doing this work? God is doing this work. Why, well, preacher, that, that ain't the way it is. Well, if I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave my stuff to every one of you, I'm going to make out a will... And in that will, I'm going to say this man's going to get this. This woman's going to get this. My boys are going to receive this. And it's going to have it allotted out. And what they inherit from me, they're getting it by allotment. Do you see how that is? Well, I tell you, before the foundation of the world, wouldn't you say I better have that filled out before I die? Better have a will fixed before I die. Well, the Lord Jesus, His was fixed before He died. It was written in Ephesians 1. Now, I know people don't believe it, but it was written before the foundation of the world. It was already determined by God where the grace of God was going to be allotted. And I'm telling you this, if you're saved today, you've got no call to credit to your name or to your family or to your church. You received what you've got. It wasn't of you and it wasn't in you, but God gave you that. He allotted for you to have that before the foundation of the world. God came by and persuaded you of that. See, the problem is, a pile of people aren't persuaded. It's just, it's just because God's not done a work. People are lost. A lot of excuses are made. And I understand when people die, when people are dying, when it's our loved one, as the brother said, it's hard. It's hard to cut it straight in those situations because of people's feelings, because of our feelings. But I tell you, in in dumbing it down, we've took the edge off the Word of God and everybody today thinks that they're going to heaven no matter what their life looks like. Well, I'm telling you, this salvation... This ain't worked out and wrought out by the hands of man. It's not something I've done. This is a work of God. And if they can't stay, 
And if they can't endure, and if they don't in their heart have a love for the church or the family of God, then I'm telling you the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is missing from their lives. Why, preacher, you are just stronger than we are. I tell you, excuses made on every hand. But I tell you what Peter said, if you've got faith, if God's persuaded you, your faith is of the same value of that God delivered to me. There's not one above another. I'm not above you. David's not above me. The apostle Peter is not above me. But we have obtained the same inheritance from the hand of God. And man wants to pooch his chest out and say, well, I've worked harder and I'm getting more. And the man says, can I not do lawfully? What I will with my own, you agreed with me for a penny, and that's what you got. Yes. Did they not? Yeah. Absolutely. Was there not those that worked 12 hours and those that worked one, yes. and they all got a penny? Well, that's not fair. But you know what's forgotten? Them men that had been there 12 hours down at the end of the day and they forgot the shape they was in when they were sitting idle in the marketplace yes, wondering what are we going to do today? I need to make some money. What are we going to do today? We might be able to feed our family. And the good master come by and said, fellas, if you want to work, you can go in my field and I'll give you a penny. And they said, that's wonderful. I'm glad. I'm excited to go and work for you that day. But as the day wore on, They forgot about the goodness of the Master. And they said, wait a minute, I deserve more than these people deserve. See what's wrong? People think that it's of them when to God's truth it's of the Lord. He could have left me in the marketplace and I'd have died there. What I've received and what you've received, we didn't work out but God gave. Well, it looks like I've worked this out myself. Well, Ruth could have thought that. Ruth could have said, Naomi, I want you to look at what I've went out and got. But I tell you, Naomi, she had a little bit of sense. She had been around this way before. Maybe she had had to glean before in her life. She said, Ruth, where have you been? Whose field have you gleaned today? Somebody took knowledge of you. Ain't you glad that we're just out of gleaning, trying to get by, that our Lord and Savior took knowledge of our condition and said, drop that young man, drop that young lady, a handful of purpose. Oh, the Lord, by allotment, left us what we've got. He directed it to be that way. To the praise of His grace. Ephesians chapter 1. Before the foundation of the world, you go look. You look a little farther and you'll find when Jesus got up, I got up too. It's in the book, I promise. Like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you'll look back in my Bible, it's across the page. Verse 13, the last chapter of 1 Peter. 
the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. Now he's writing this to those that are scattered abroad. Whether he's talking about natural city of Babylon or whether he's referring to Jerusalem spiritually as Babylon, either one could be true. Peter says the church is elected together with you. They're the same as what you are and you're the same as what they are. In the Lord Jesus, that's the way it is. There's not male nor female. There's not bond nor free. There's not Jew or Gentile. But all are sons in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made everybody to be equal because it's not my merit that I'm going on. That's right. Boy, what, what if God said, all right, this week, I'm going to pay you for what you've done. And I, I read this this morning, the first commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to pay you by how you've upheld that this week. Have you done? I, we're so far, the God's truth, we're so far from keeping the commandments, it's sickening, and yet man thinks, that he's earning something from God with his works. I tell you, our works are so corrupt. They're so wretched. We are totally reliant on the righteousness, he says here, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You, you may, not, may not agree with this either, but they're the same person. God and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are one. They're all co-equal. They have the same authority. They are omnipotent and omniscient. All power, all knowing, all seeing, all control, and all authority. God the Father has that. The Lord Jesus has that. And the Holy Spirit has that. They are one and the same three bodies in one. Why, I don't like that. Well, it don't matter to me whether you like it or not. God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's His righteousness. Now, if you take Christ out of the picture, what are we left with? Where are we going to go? What's the end going to be? If you take Jesus out of history. If there's no Jesus, if there's no cross, if there's no resurrection, where are we left at? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus rose not, our faith is in vain. Them that are dead have perished and we're going to perish also. But I tell you, thank God that we have a righteousness that we can obtain that is not of our strength. God wrought this out. He bought it. And He wrote me in His will that I could inherit just a little portion of it. It's of Him. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Those words, you'll see those words often in the epistles of the New Testament. Grace and peace. In in Timothy and in Titus, you'll see grace, mercy, and peace. What's the church need? 
I don't, I, and maybe this is hard. I don't need any more righteousness. I don't need another sacrifice. I don't need any more blood. I'll tell you what we are. By the Word of God, I am saved to the uttermost. That's the farthest reaches that you can go to. God has saved me there. And the Bible says He, by one offering, has perfected forever them that come to God through Him. I tell you by the Word of God, them that are saved are perfected in Jesus forevermore. I don't need to be saved again. I don't need another sacrifice. Jesus is sufficient for everything that I... Why, preacher, you've sinned today. You better believe I've sinned today. But I've got an advocate with a Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He maketh intercession for me. Amen. Woo! Yes. Yeah, happy morning. No, I tell you what the church needs. Grace and peace from God. Grace. Divine influence, if you look it up. If you've got a Strong's, if not, you can look it up on the internet. Divine influence in the inward man and its reflection in the outward man. That's the definition in Strong's for grace. Now, whose ministry is that? Well, now, God the Father, He wrote the will, He made the plan, and He sent Jesus. Jesus came and was obedient to the Father. He lived perfectly and died according to the will of God that we could obtain salvation. But after all that, I'm still lost. I need something to come to me in 2000 and in 2010. And the church needs something in 2022. I tell you what's left the ministry of the Spirit of God. I believe grace in the Spirit. That is the Spirit's ministry. He comes. He comes with a word of... And it's a He. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a He. And He is equal with God. He is God. Jesus was God in the flesh. The Spirit is God in the Spirit ministering grace to us. When I was lost and undone, the Word of God being preached... I'm not saying it's not worth anything. It's magnificent. Wonderful. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. But I think what I was, I was lost. And the gospel, the good news of what Jesus done was blinded by the devil. But you know, the Holy Spirit came and ministered grace to my heart. He illuminated me. He took the blinders off my eyes and He let me to see my sinful and wretched condition. He influence in the inward man. And you know what came of that? It was reflected. When God persuaded me, right there, the Spirit right there, persuaded me. I was persuaded right there that I was a sinner, that I was on the road to hell, and that the Lord Jesus was my only hope. You know what that was? That was faith delivered to me. And that not of your sins. It is the gift 
of God. God freely gave that to me. Why, preacher, He gave it to you when you decided to do better and when you got in church like you ought to be in and you started praying. No, I tell you when He done it. He delivered it to me when I was yet a sinner, when I was rebellious, and when I was faithful towards Him. God delivered me and the vision that brought me to it. He brought me. So it's by that grace that we're saved. God came to us by the Spirit and the inward man, convinced us of the truth, brought us to Jesus. That was God's work through the Spirit. So now the church, grace and peace be multiplied. You know what I need today? The same divine influence that saved me the same inward working of the Spirit. If I'm going to make it today, if I'm going to be of any help, I tell you, I believe you see it for me and for David as we get up behind this desk. It's necessary that the grace of God work in me and also in every one of you that the Word of God might be effectual to us. And without the grace of God, then what we're doing is marking time. And we're having a religious... Ceremony, but denying the power thereof. But with the grace of God, with the grace of God, this becomes real to my soul. I was dead to this one day. This, this Word of God was never dead. I was dead. And I could take a Gideon's Bible... I could take one the church bought me. I could take one my mom and daddy bought me. And I could sit down with it and read it. And I tell you the God's truth, I couldn't see nothing in it. It meant nothing to me. You know why? Not because it was unvaluable, but because I was blinded. But the grace of God came one day. And you know what He did? He showed me that that Word of God, Son, that's the most precious thing in all of your life. Amen. Moses said, This is not a vain thing. It is your life. That's what Moses said of the Word of God. And certainly that's still true today. Grace and peace be multiplied. So what should the church do? Well, preacher, we need to do better. Well, I'll say, amen. We will always and forevermore need to do better. That will always be true. When we reach, as Paul the Apostle, having written, I don't know how many, up to that point, books of the New Testament at that time, and how many wonderful messages that dear Apostle preached, but when he wrote the book of Philippians, he said, I'm laboring that I might know Him. I want to know a little more. I'd like to go a little deeper. I'd like to see it just a little bit clearer. And friends, if that was Paul... Where does that leave a nothing like me? Lord, I, God's truth. I always need to do better. But now is this true? One day we're going to do good enough and God's going to save because of that. I appreciate you shaking your head. A lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe... They believe we'll bring the ark down to the camp. We'll make a big shout and God's going to bring deliverance. And they go out to battle the next day 
and God brings crushing defeat. He slews the enemies uh, or the sons of Eli and He takes the ark away from the children of God. I tell you, a carnal working of man's not going to do, but what we need and what we ought to pray for is that the grace of God would be multiplied to me. I tell you, if I'm going to do right tomorrow, the grace of God's going to enable me to do right. If I'm going to witness tomorrow, the grace of God's going to enable me to witness. If I'm going to get down tonight with my precious family and do any bit of praying whatsoever, the grace of God is going to have to be with me. That's the truth. Otherwise, it's words that don't get above the ceiling. It don't get across the road. I tell you, the grace of God is the need of the church. And Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied. I tell you, when the grace of God is working, there can be peace in the heart. Yes. That, that's a place of no warfare. Now in the flesh, I realize in the flesh, you'll have tribulations. There'll be some things that'll shake your natural life to the ground. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. I and we're so far disconnected from it, it's hard for us to envision. But as Paul said, it's better for a man that he not marry. He wasn't saying that it's wrong for a man to marry. But you go back to where they were. You know what they were doing? They were skinning alive. They were burning at the stake. They were boiling in hot oil. They were crucifying and beheading the saints of God. And Paul says, listen, it's better that you not have a wife that the enemy can't come and torture her to make your life even harder. Lord, have mercy. What things that man endured for the faith back through history. That's a truth. It's a truth. But I tell you, the peace of God in the inward man, that cannot be taken. I, I tell you, I, I could endure, I can endure some horrible things in the flesh, but I can lay down at night and I don't have to worry whether I'm going to die and go to hell or not. I don't have to worry whether God's upset with me. And he's like, see, that's the thinking of man. Well, they're enduring something terrible. They must be, have done some great sin. They must be guilty and God's a punishing them. That's the way the carnal mind thinks. But I tell you what, I've got down in my inward man, God justified me. He proclaimed me as righteous. Nothing robbed that from me. Amen. That came by grace. Grace and peace be multiplied. Now, how, how does this come? Through the knowledge. Yes. The recognition or full discernment of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, I say this if we're saved. I, I believe with all my heart this is our spiritual life. And if God has saved you, and His Spirit dwells within you, there's nothing more valuable for that man that's been born again than to dig in and to study and to apply yourself to know the Word of God. When you're at the house of God, to sit up and pay attention to that that's preached and to that that's taught. You know what that is? That knowledge 
will multiply grace. The The knowledge of the Word of God will multiply your peace. And when the devil comes and says, wait a minute, this ain't yours. You can't have that. You can go to the Word of God and say, I believe this because this is what the Bible says. I tell you, hardly anybody can answer like that anymore. People can say, well, I believe it because mom and daddy said it. They can tell me, well, that's what the preacher always told me. They can say, well, that's what I've heard my whole life. But I'll tell you what's valuable. When you can say, I know down in Second Peter chapter number 1 that God said He gave this to me and it cannot be taken. It'd be valuable for us to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I tell you what helps when I can get a little clearer understanding of what God done for me. Now listen and and reason with me for just a minute. If everybody gets the same opportunity and I chose to come by my wisdom and the fellow up and down the road chose not to come because they're ignorant, I'm less thankful towards God, ain't I? Because I've done something myself. You see that? And I look down on the world for not believing. And I look up on me because, well, I'm glad I believed. You ever heard that? I believe we've ever one heard it. I've foolishly thought that in my head before. I'm glad I did something to obtain this. But you know, the Lord brought me to the knowledge of something one day. That it wasn't my wisdom that brought me to this salvation. It wasn't that I had some incredible amount of faith that brought me to this. And my little old family, they just ain't got what I've got. And I can boast in that. Absolutely not. God brought me to the wisdom of what we've already talked about. That God brought me here. That God convinced... And I tell you this, if God convinces them, they'll be here too. I don't care who they are. I don't care how they live. I don't care how they've talked about the church. My brother said, son, I used to get up and I'd mock you and I'd act like I was preaching when I was around my friends and make fun of you. We were all there. We were hateful and hatred towards the Word of God. God is able to break a man, convince him, and i tell you what He can do. He can bring him to your house at 11 o'clock and say, son, I'm lost. What am I going to do? You better be at church in the morning, son. And I'll pray that God will call you. Amen. That's of the Lord, ain't it? Yes, it, is. it was of the Lord that you were persuaded. So do you know what that done for me? That made me a little more thankful. Because if it wasn't for Him, I'd have never made it this way. I'd have never been saved. And you know, I can thank Him for clothes. I can thank Him for a car. I can thank Him for food. But friends, the world right here, within five miles of this place, they can thank Him for every bit of it. And a lot of times, for me especially, they can thank Him for a lot more. They've got a lot more than we've got in the flesh. But boy, I tell you, the grace and the peace of God that's in the heart, only them 
that God has placed in His will, only them can glorify God for that. That's what we've got today. It's not a good life in the flesh. The apostles didn't have that. It's not a lot of money. Paul said, I'm naked and hungry. It's not that we're free. Paul was in the prison house. But the Word of God was not bound. But I tell you this, what they had was eternal. Uh, The Bible says of Moses, he saw and he realized and recognized the recompense of the reward. He saw what was coming after this life. We've got a hope beyond here. By the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So you think about the knowledge now. Hosea, I believe. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's what he said. You know why people are dying and going to hell? I realize we could say a lot of things right there, but the bottom line is, no knowledge of the truth. They know a lie. They recognize a lie. They believe lies. But they've got no knowledge. Peter said, I believe in the book of Acts, chapter number 2 or 3, that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they had known who He was. They didn't know who He was. But you know who did? Some little shepherds. And I don't know how far east they were from. They weren't Jews by everything I can see. And there was a little old man down at the temple named Simeon and a little old woman named Anna. You know what they did? They knew who he was. How did they know when the rest of the world did not? You answer, how did they know? How in the world could shepherds know him? And the Sanhedrin court the doctors and lawyers of the Word of God not know who He was. Amen. I'll I'll tell you what they testified. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord hath made that the Lord hath made known unto us. You know how they knew? God shined the light to their heart. You want to know how you know? Out of all Del Rio... Out of all of Cock County, out of all of Buncombe County, out of all of Madison County, you want to know how we came to know God sent His gospel to where we were and convicted us and brought us to His Son, Jesus Christ. I tell you, we can have peace in that through the knowledge of the truth. According to as His divine power. Now that's a beautiful word. Power. The Greek is dunamis. It's the word that we get dynamite from. Miraculous power. Now you think about dynamite. I don't know if you've ever worked in construction, but you take a stick that long and it's big around as a 50 cent piece and you can move a mighty big hill with that in a hurry. You know what that is? That stick of dynamite has miraculous power, wouldn't you say? If you didn't have any idea what it was, you wouldn't expect anything. But you set one off on top of the hill and every wind in 10 miles will be shattered. What power? Well, that's, that's the kind of power, miraculous, unbelievable power that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit has working and bringing this salvation according as His divine power hath given unto us all things. 
given. To bestow gratuitously. It's gratuity. You know, we call that, that's what we tip our waitresses. Gratuity. But you know, we do that. Well, sometimes. Whether they do a good job or not. We give them a tip based on the service that we get. But ain't you glad that God don't tip me based on the service that I give Him? But He, according to His miraculous power, what kind of power is this? This is the power that the body of a man can be beaten and his visage marred more than the sons of men. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 52. Beaten to the place that from a distance... I don't believe he looked like a man. Beaten to the place that the bones were showing through in places of his skin. And then nailed to a cross. And there every drop of blood got out. Well, preacher, when you die though, there's a little pocket of blood in the heart in there that builds up. Well, they rammed a spear into him and they brought that out of him. And they took that lifeless, beaten, and marred body and laid that in a tomb and they put guards there, and they said, now you be sure that they don't come take Him away. And this God's miraculous power put the guards in a trance, rolled the stone out, and He didn't need Peter to get Him. His miraculous power brought life to that beaten body, and He walked out of His own power. You talk about miraculous power. Now what did that do for me? He given unto me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know what I need to live tomorrow? He's provided that for me. Amen. Don't you ever worry about what will happen tomorrow? Jesus says take no thought for the morrow. Tomorrow will take thought for itself. But I tell you what I do know. Whatever comes tomorrow... He's given me through the righteousness and the miraculous power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given me what I need to live and to be like Him in this world as I live. He has given that to me gratuitously. I've not earned that. I've not prayed enough this week. My God, how foolish. But man says it. I've just done so much this week. God's just pouring out a blessing on me now. Boy, it'd be a shame to have what we did this week up here, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not even all the works. Not even all the words out of the mouth. But if we could just have time divided. How much time we slept. How much time we worked. How much time we watched TV. How much time we uh, went out and enjoyed the things of the world. How much time we prayed. How much time we was in the Word of God. Wouldn't that be a shame to see that? God bless you. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I've done anything good. Because anything good that comes out of me, He brought it out by His power and by that that He gave gratuitously to me. I tell you, it's a miracle that the Lord Jesus come out of the grave. What miraculous power that that was. But I tell you another miracle 
I didn't see him come out. I believe the eyewitness testimony that he did. I believe even the history testimony that he did. But I tell you what I do know. I do know that I was dead. That I was dead to him. That I was blinded by the devil. And he resurrected me. And he changed my life. And he changed my nature. And he changed my goings. His miraculous power took me out of darkness and set me in the kingdom of God. He, he did that. How do we get this? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just about to give out and I've been about as long as I can go. We have barely scratched the surface of three verses. And we're going to make a sorry attempt to try to scratch the surface of the last portion of this verse. But my God, what the Lord's done for us and what He reveals in His Scripture, God help me to pray, Lord, by Your grace, write Your Word upon the tables of my heart. Stir in me a desire to learn and illuminate me to Your Word and let me be founded on the Word of God. I tell you, churches and places are founded on tradition and they're founded on word of mouth and they're founded on what's been told and by what's been taught and they're so hardened in it that they reject even the Word of God. Why that don't happen? Well, Jesus said, you keep your traditions and forsake the Word of God. That's a, that is a butchered quote. But that's the nature of what the Lord told them there. You forsake the commandments to keep your tradition. Ain't that a sad place? I tell you what I need to be built on. The solid and the firm foundation of the Word of God. The church is in this world the pillar and the ground of the truth of the Word of God. And if what we're upholding is something other than the Word of God, what ground of truth is there? Law have mercy. Amen. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called to call aloud or bid to come. If you look at the words through the New Testament, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, but every place I've ever looked up the meaning of the word church, it means the called out. Or the invited. You know what the church is? The ones that God called out of sin and into the salvation of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. So this work is of God. Did you come to God? Then you came to Him because He called you out. He called us to glory. Now you talk about glory. Why, preacher, we don't have any glory. I don't have any glory of myself. I look at myself in the mirror and a lot of ways I'm sickened by what I see. No glory in me. But you know what's beautiful? You don't even have to see a face. But when the power of God moves and He lets me say a word or two by the inspiration of His Spirit, you don't look at what I look like anymore, but you can see the glory of the Savior that delivered me from darkness. And that's the most beautiful thing 
that there is in the face of the earth. He's called His church into glory. Not their own glory. But I'll tell you what He's done. He's clothed them with the garment of the Spirit of God. He's given them of His glory. And today we can honor Him not with the word of mouth. The world can use word of mouth. But by the Spirit and by the power of God we can exalt Him by His works for us. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Valor is what that word means. I think a lot of times virtue may be taken to mean a lot of things. But here now, the word means valor or manliness. Peter says he didn't call me to bow down to every pressure and everything that comes upon us. They called him in and said, boys, you're going to have to quit this preaching. This has got to stop. You're subverting people. And you're leading people astray. And we're going to beat you. We're going to throw you in prison. You boys are going to have to quit this business. And Peter said, will you tell me whether I ought to obey man or obey God? You know what he had? By the grace of God within him, he had courage to withstand. And I tell you what he had. I tell you, preacher, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. Well, I tell you this, if I die tomorrow... If I die from the hands of a man, if I die in an accident going to work, if I die in my sleep, if I die of an aneurysm, I know this, that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, this vile body will be left and I'll be with the Lord. There's grace to face what comes tomorrow. There is in the Lord Jesus. Called us to glory and virtue. Now, was that Peter's manliness on display there? What kind of a man was Peter? We talked about it in the first. Peter, the cock won't crow till you deny me thrice. Lord, everyone may deny you, but I'm not going to. I'll draw my sword and I'll fight for you. I'll go to the bitter end. And a little maid down there by a fire said, you were one of his disciples. And he denied him. No, I don't know who that man is. And another one come. And he cursed and said, no, I've never followed that man Jesus. You know what kind of a man Peter was? He was a coward. In the flesh, he was a coward. God bless him. Elijah was the same way. In the flesh, we're all the same way. You let me think in the flesh that somebody's laughing at me and I'll back up. Now ain't that the truth? That's a shame, but that's the truth. But I tell you what Peter got. Peter got there on the day of Pentecost. He got some grace within him that was going to enable him to stand against the enemy when the enemy came. He's going to say in the last chapter of 1 Peter, the devils are coming and he's seeking whom he may devour. Be watchful. I tell you what we've got. We've got grace that in the next verse we can resist steadfast in the faith. They're going to kill me, preacher. By the grace of God, we can resist in that day as well. Yeah, I believe that. I, I don't want to face that. I don't want my children to have to face that. But thank God if it comes, 
there's grace for even that. There was for them. And I've obtained like precious faith with Simon Peter. I'm in the same church and I'm in the same family. You know, if you, if you look naturally in the building and you see this brick up here at the top of the building, you can make connections and go all the way down to the cornerstone where the building was started. You know what we are? We're lively stones in a building. And we're all connected to the same Savior. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that they without us should not be perfect. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises. Not just great, but exceeding great. And precious means of great value. We say precious metals today. Gold and silver and platinum and all of these valuable metals. You know why they're valuable? Because they're rare. Ain't that true? If gold was like the gravel in the roadways out here, it wouldn't have much value, would it? But I tell you, because it's rare, that makes it precious. You know what we've got? It's very rare. The gospel is very rare today. It is. It's few and far between. It's one here and one there. But I tell you what that does, that makes what we've got even more valuable. When we look at what God's delivered to us and we look at the condition of our world and of our families, we ought to take even more value in the redemption that God has purchased for us in Jesus Christ that by these you might be partakers, a sharer or an associate, that you may be a sharer of the divine nature. The nature, that means native disposition. So you think about this, and I said I was going to stop, and I've not, and I'm sorry. But you think about native disposition. By nature, you'll see it said a lot of times in the Bible, a a dog. You go and you buy a dog that's of a, a, a great pedigree, and they've got a great name back through the years of moms and dads that were great bear hunters. You buy them, and you know what? That, that's bred into them. That's bred into their nature. It don't take a lot of training, and they can get with it. When a baby's born, I mean, they're just newborns. They don't know up from down but they know how to latch on and eat. You know what that is? That's nature. That's in them naturally. You know what's in us naturally? What our nature is? We were by nature sinners. We were by nature rebellious. We were by nature God-haters. Haters of the gospel and haters of the truth. But through this salvation, I've been made a sharer of the divine nature. I now inwardly have the nature of God. He says in Corinthians chapter 2, he's talking about the Spirit of God and that that's indwelling and revealing And in that last verse, he says, we have the mind of Christ. God indwelling by the Spirit has changed the nature of those that are His. And where my natural nature was to rebel and go away from God, God has recreated me through the power of the Spirit, the gospel, 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I'm a partaker of the divine nature that now inwardly my desire is to please the one that saved me. That was not and was never my native disposition. That came from God Himself. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What corruption? That's decay. Corrosion. Look at the decay that our world is in. Those that are saved have escaped that. By the grace of God, the gospel, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to His name be the glory and the honor for His wonderful works. We're finished. If you want to come and close out however you see fit. We love you.